All right, so we are in week four of The Circle Maker. The Circle Maker is a book and a series by Mark Batterson, and um, we've been talking about prayer. It's about circling prayers. We talked about Honey, the legend of Honey, the Circle Maker, talked about uh, praying hard and dreaming big, and today we're going to talk about thinking long, and Corey did, a, as always, did an incredible job of outlining what that looks like, as we, and, and we're going to talk some about that, but I want to start in Sweden. So there, there, and there's a, uh, on the Swedish island of Bizingso, that's just fun to say, say it with me, Bizingso. Yeah, that was not good. Bizingso. That wasn't good either. One more time. Bizingso. That's what I'm talking about. On the Swedish island of Bizingso. There's a, a mysterious forest of oak trees. Now, it's mysterious because oak trees aren't indigenous to the island. They didn't grow there. And they didn't know why these oak trees were there for, a, for more than a century. But in 1980, the Swedish Navy got a letter from the forestry department reporting that the requested ship lumber was ready. Now, the Navy didn't even know that it had ordered that lumber. But they did some research, and after a little bit of that, they found out that in 1829, the Swedish parliament recognizing that it takes oak trees 150 years to mature, and they anticipated that there would be a shortage of lumber at the turn of the 21st century, ordered that 20,000 oak trees be planted at Vizingso and protected for the Navy. That is thinking long. It's 150 years away. Uh, now, for the record, there was an objector. The lone objector was the Bishop of Strongmos. He didn't doubt that there would be wars to fight at the end of the 20th century. His, he only anticipated that ships may not be built of wood at that time. So one dimension of thinking long is also thinking different. And prayer is the key to both of them. See, prayer doesn't just change our circumstances. Uh, it, it's, it's, it changes us. And that's the more important piece. Soren Kierkegaard is the one who said this. He said, prayer does not change God, but it changes him who prays. When we seek God, it, it changes us. It, it gets into us. It doesn't just alter the external things going on in our life. It alters the internal realities so that we see with spiritual eyes instead of just seeing with our, with our physical eyes. We begin to see beyond ourselves. It corrects our nearsightedness. We have a tendency to only see stuff that's near, which is usually us uh, or those things immediately around us. Prayer enables us to see beyond our circumstances, enables us to see beyond ourselves, but enables us to see beyond time. So it's not enough. It's great to dream big, and we're dreaming big around here. You know that. And, and it's great to pray hard. We need to do those things. But we also have to think long. Because if we don't, we're going to experience high degrees of discouragement, right? Because not all our prayers get answered in as quickly <laughs> as we would like them to. Oh, not all mine anyway. You know, I'm wanting those, you know, come on, God. I ask, ask and you shall receive, seek and you will find. All right, well, I'm asking and I'm seeking, so give it to me. You know, that's kind of my philosophy and the way that I am. But this is kind of a reality is that we have this tendency that we overestimate what we can accomplish in a year, or as Bill Gates says, in two years, in the next two years. But we underestimate what we can accomplish in the next decade, in the next 10 years. And so thinking long is about going beyond this immediacy and this desire that's right in front of us. And let me say this too, the bigger the vision, the harder you're going to have to pray, and the longer you'll have to think. But if you keep circling, it will come to pass. 
Remember, circling is circling the promises of God, and God is faithful. So if we circle those promises, those promises will come to pass, but they'll come to pass in God's time. Our passage today is out of Daniel, chapter 10. It's verses 1 through 13. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who is called Belteshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks, 21 days. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. When I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me, set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I am about to speak to you and stand up, for I now have sent you. I've been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time not yet come. Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed. Peace, be strong now, be strong. And when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Speak, my Lord, since you have now given me strength. Can you imagine having a conversation with an angel? With a guardian and a guardian angel thing, you know, for some of us, it's probably a pretty long conversation. It's like uh, we got some stuff to talk about. <laughs> for Dan- Daniel, would have been one of those, right? Because Daniel went through a lot of stuff. He had, li- you know, I'm sure when the lions were, when he's standing on the edge of the lion, he's going, uh, "Hey, I need need to have a conversation. Hey, where are you?" You know. Interestingly, like angelic greetings tend to be, it starts out this way, and they, and they do because I I think. It's funny, there, there's, I've had folks say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God this, and I'm going to ask God this. And I have, a ten, I have this thought that when we get to heaven, we're going to go like this. You know, it's, <laughs> I'm not going to be going, oh, God, what's about this? You know, because God is, is it's powerful. It, the, the reaction of people to angels without, that's not even God. The reaction of people to angels is, is so powerful, and they, and they give this affirmation. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Kind of an angelic protocol, so to speak. Don't be afraid. And then the angel reveals the realities of a spiritual realm that we don't get to see very often, right? There's only a couple of times in Scripture that this is revealed 
uh, when Elijah and Elijah, and Elijah shows Elisha the battle that's about to happen in here, and, and it's fleshed out. The angel reveals the importance of praying through. We talked about praying for, and that's a good thing, but praying through, praying through whatever is going on, with that tenacity and that audacity. And the angel reveals that there are spiritual things going on. There's spiritual warfare going on. It's being waged beyond what we see. It's beyond our consciousness. And those are going on. The angel reveals in this passage the way that prayers are processed. See, he heard Daniel's prayer before it got out. Daniel's prayer was heard before the words even passed through his vocal cords. But it wasn't until the 21st day that he experienced a breakthrough. And that was because of a spiritual oppression going on over here. An evil spirit known as the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted the call for angelic backup until the 21st day. And then angelic backup shows up and then he's free to go talk to Daniel. Daniel ranks, by the way, as one of the most brilliant of, the, of minds in the ancient world. He was a philosopher, he knew a lot about science, he's kind of a renaissance man 2,000 years before the renaissance. He, was, he, he could explain riddles and solve problems, he interpreted dreams, he saw visions. He, but the thing that was the most important about him that was not his intelligence quotient, though that his IQ was big, the thing about him that is so powerful is his PQ, his persistence quotient. He was persistent in seeking God, persistent in following God, whether it got him in trouble or not. You know, read through Daniel. It got him in trouble sometimes that he honored God before the kings that, that were around him. He prayed circles. This is amazing. He prayed circles around the greatest superpower on earth, and because he got on his knees, he brought kings and kingdoms to theirs. See, Daniel didn't just pray when he had a bad day. He prayed every day. He, he didn't just dial up 911, oh, help. Anybody know 911 prayers? Oh, help me, Lord, that, that, those kind of prayers. Daniel, was, it was his rhythm. It was his life. Prayer was, prayer was part of his life and, and who he was. His life was a prayer, and he just sought God in, in all things. Now, I'm sure when he was at the edge of the lion's den, he had a little... A little edge to him, right? A little bit more, more uh, Lord, here we are. <laughs> Show up, please. You know. But that b intensity is a byproduct of consistency because Daniel was consistent. He approached every situation, every opportunity, every challenge, every person prayerfully. And it was that prayerful posture that led to one of the most unlikely rises to power in political history. Think about this. He was a prisoner of war who became a prime minister of a country. And he became the prime minister of a country that he was a prisoner of. How does that happen? Only God. Only God can do that. So the ascendance of Daniel, it defies political science, but it defines the power of prayer. And the power of prayer circles what we're doing in this place. Prayer invites God into the equation. And when that happens, all bets are off. Invite God into, the, into your situation because... It, it, it transforms things. And it doesn't matter whether it's a locker room, the boardroom, the classroom. It doesn't matter whether you practice law, medicine, music, whatever it is that's going on. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you do. If you stop, drop, and pray, then you're going then, then, then to find God in the midst of that. And you never know where you'll go. You never know what you'll do. And you'll never know who you'll meet if you'll let God come in and let God do, be God. Few people prayed with more uh, consistency and persistence and intensity than Daniel. And what makes that so remarkable is that this vision was to the rebuilding of Jerusalem that he would never see in his lifetime. And he knew he was never going to see it. He prayed toward a city toward a city that was not going to happen 
that he would see, he would not see Jerusalem come into being. And yet he prayed for Jerusalem to happen. He prayed with a spiritual vision, spiritual eyes. He saw him with more than his physical eyes. It's kind of what we talked about a few weeks ago, right? And that I can see this picture of Arbor Point Church at West Jackson, and I see the coffee house area with that where the community can come together and the sacred and the secular. They have a place that they can meet and gather together and, and interact and watch what God does when, when, when those who believe and, and, and others come together. God is going to do amazing things in that. And over here is Grow to Be You around this side of this it's kind of semi-rounded building, and, and Grow to Be You is over here. It's a full-time preschool, and guess what it has outside? It has a playground, and, 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 and then you go around to the back, and in the back behind the, the worship center, which is going to double as a venue space, right? So you have your worship center that we'll have services in, and seat 150 to 200 or so. It's a decent-sized space, but I'm not, you know, it doesn't need to be a big, massive space. But outside of church on Sunday, it'll have artists and it'll have speakers and people coming in and using that space too often we as the church we have space we don't use except for on sunday over here we have group rooms and classrooms and and, and we have office space and, and a kitchen in the back and i serve uh, gosh you know i serve even having a place outside of that where they can have a warehouse and we can be partnered with them and they can have an office inside <sighs> How cool, how awesome would that be? You know, that's what I'm praying for. I invite you, encourage you to pray circles around it. You know, it's a big project. It's a probably a $2 million project, $1.5 to $2.5 million project. You know how much money we have? We ain't got none of that. But God's got, <laughs> God's got it. So we're going to pray. This is a prompt, being faithful. Our goal is not to glorify ourselves. It's to glorify God and reach people for Jesus. We can grab hold of that and pray into that. Daniel prophesied that it would take 77s, or what amounted to se uh, over se our 70 years, for, for, this to, for his vision to come to pass. And is it possible for a man to dream continuously for 70 years? And yet Daniel did that. Daniel did Here's why. He never stopped dreaming big. He never stopped praying hard because he was thinking long. He was seeing further out. And he saw the possibility. That's what prophets do. He wasn't just looking beyond the Babylonian captivity to the restoration of Jerusalem. He was looking even further into the future to the first coming and second coming of Jesus. He was thinking in terms of millenniums, of thousands of years. In his prayers and prophecies, there were the seeds for our salvation. And we hang on to that until Christ returns. The thing that impresses me, one of the major things is this. He knew that his prayers wouldn't be answered, and yet he prayed with a sense of urgency. That's hard, right? You know, if something's right here, it's easy to pray with urgency, Lord, provide. But if something's out there that I know I'm not going to see, how do I maintain that sense of urgency? And yet Daniel had the ability to pray with urgency about things that weren't urgent. That's what Corey talked about. Those are, those are things that will become important as the children grow, you know, as, you know, who, you know who's my future going to be with, where am I going to go to school. But they're not urgent right now. But starting to pray with a sense of urgency now is powerful. That's an important dimension of thinking long. Now, drawing prayer circles, I get this. It often feels like it's a long and boring process. And it's very frustrating when you've been praying for the same thing and kind of circling and going, okay, Lord, where are you? You know, I've been praying for my kids for a long time. You start to wonder if God really does hear or if he cares. His silence is, is deafening. And, 
and we circle the cancer, and we circle our kids, and we circle the dreams, but it doesn't seem to be making a difference. So what do we do? But we keep doing it. We, we stop, drop, and pray. We grab hold of this because it can change your life. You keep going. You keep pushing. You push through. You, sur- you have people around you that are praying with you. It's what we want to do on Wednesday nights. It's why we want us to pull our prayer requests together so that we're, it's not just you. It's us, the body of Christ, joining together to pray through. We live in a culture that overvalues the 15 minutes of fame, right? It overvalues the immediacy and, and I want what I want right now. And it undervalues lifelong faithfulness. What if we flip that around? What if we started to look at it? I want to overvalue lifelong faithfulness and not put as much emphasis on that 15 minutes of fame. See, just as our greatest successes often come after our greatest failures, our greatest answers often come on the heels of our longest and sometimes most boring prayers. But keep praying. Pray long. Pray long. Your life will be anything but boring because this adventure that we're on with Jesus will begin to grow in your heart. And, and it, won't, it won't always get, get where you want to go. It won't always get you to that place. Well, this is exactly where I want to be. But it gets you to where God wants you to be. And that's powerful. That's powerful. And, and how we pray matters, too. There are different postures in prayer. Physical posture is an important. You know, over 60, there used to be 68% of our communication is body language. I think it's actually been studied higher than that now, you know. Um, so our communication is, is largely body language. Our body language in prayer, we don't often pay attention to, but think about it as being a prayer within a prayer because it sets the tone for communication. If words are what you say, then your posture is how you say it. And there's a reason that in Scripture, there are many different postures that are, uh, that are presented, kneeling, falling prostrate on the ground, on your, on your face, laying on of hands, anointing with oil. It helps our hearts and our minds. When we raise our hands in worship, it symbolizes our, our surrender to God. Sometimes it's a clenched fist because to celebrate what Christ has done and what Christ is doing. He's won the battle. Sometimes we drop to our knees. We're demonstrating our dependence upon God. The Quakers had a unique way of praying. What they would do is they'd start out with their hands facing down. And that would symbolize the things we need to let go of, like this. They would <laughs> let go of. It involves <laughs> a process of confessing our sins and rebuking our fears and relinquishing control. But after that, then you turn your hands over so that you can, it's, a, it's receiving what God would give to you. It's receiving uh, the, the, the good, the joy of God, that joy unspeakable, the peace that passes understanding in, in whatever circumstance. I want to receive that. So I let go of those things and pray for those things I need to let go of, and then I receive what God has for me. It's powerful. We receive the fruits and gifts of his spirit with open hands and open hearts. That's powerful. And there's nothing, it's not magical, okay, it's not like, it's not a magical deal. Nothing magical about the laying on of hands or bowing the knee, anointing the head, or, or the posture itself, but there is something biblical about it. And if it's biblical, we probably ought to think about doing it. There's something mystical that happens when we're obedient to the word of God. And when we practice these things, which, by the way, they've been being done for thousands of years, it connects us to our history, it connects us to our spiritual ancestry. And that's a good thing and a powerful thing. See, I know this for sure. Biblical relevance in music styles and that go, comes and goes, but, but biblical traditions never go out of style. Prayer posture never goes out of style. They're as relevant now as they were in ancient times. And when we practice those things, it helps us to dream big. It helps us to pray hard and to think long. 
Now, fasting, we just came out of a 30-hour famine for, with the youth. And Daniel was a faster, and it's, and it's a scriptural thing. It's a biblical thing to fast. Jesus said that his followers would, would be fasters. And, and Daniel fasted at different times. His Daniel fast is, is inspired by and, par- and it was patterned after things that, that he needed to deal with in his life. Now, it's different from an absolute fast. Daniel fast, he would have vegetables and fruits and water. That's, and you've probably heard of a Daniel fast. So it's not a total abstinence fast. And it's typically done with a specific goal and a defined timeline. When he, d- he did a 10-day fast that kick-started his, this climb from, from prisoner of war to prime minister. He did a 10-day fast. Before this angelic encounter, it was a 21-day fast, the Daniel fast for 21 days. But when you fast and pray together, it's like a moving sidewalk that gets you to your desired destination in half the time. <coughs> Fasting has a way of fast-tracking our prayers, moving them forward. And because fasting is harder than praying in a lot of ways, when we fast, it's a form of praying hard. But in my experience, it's a short, the shortest distance to a breakthrough. And I wanted to talk just briefly about the 30-hour famine, and then I thought that Patty could probably, we've had some conversations, and it was an amazing time. And you know, So I wanted Patty to share a little bit about that. All right. Um, I don't even know where to begin, but that it was absolutely incredible. I can't tell you how many times Mike and I looked at each other, and we were like, (laughs) it was weird. They were so great. It was so good. But I'll tell you a little story where we saw saw God all 30 hours. But so we're driving along, and let me just say, I was the only one with a phone. (laughs) So we got lost. So we got lost. (laughs) Yes, because we gave up electronics, too. So I was in charge of GPS and getting us to Athens. And <laughs> we, um, we heard recalculating. Recal- <laughs> but there was only one time when the lady just flat out said, turn around, go back. <laughs> so we're on some road on the way to Athens, and not, I don't even know where we were. We're driving along, and it was the wrong road. And uh, <laughs> the boys are grumbling in the back. And I'm like, you know what, guys, let's look out the window. We are here for a reason. God is going to show us something. And so, which was kind of neat because we're actively looking out the window. Like, we are going to see something we would not have seen if we were on the right road. And um, so we pass a barn and another barn, and we're just going along. Oh, look, it's a fire hydrant with a red hat. Oh, yeah. (laughs) There are lots of fire hydrant people. So then there's a sign, a church sign. And it says, do justly, walk humbly with God. And um, what you don't know is that for the past five weeks, as we've been preparing for the famine, our Bible verse has centered around that. And to hear the kids in the car all together yell, Micah 6-8, it was incredible. So anyway, it was a great weekend. We cannot thank you enough for your prayers and support. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. And we're still speaking. (laughs) (laughs) It was uh, it was that was a moment, right? Because you know, who'd have thought that the verse we've been on for five weeks would suddenly show up on a sign because we got lost and and went by a church that actually it was a real. Hey, look for a sign. It was a sign. 
See, there's more than one way to draw a prayer circle, right? Some involves more than prayer. Fasting is a form of circling. And so when we were fasting on those 30 hours, when we fasted together, it, it makes that kind of a difference. And it may be that it, an empty stomach is one of the most powerful prayer positions because it reminds us to rely on God, and we want to be about doing that. So when you have a big decision to make, circle it with a fast. Let that be a part of your prayer life because it doesn't just purge your body. It purges your mind. It purges your spirit. So when you, when you need that breakthrough, no matter what, Circle it with a fast. And maybe there's something you've been praying for that you need to start fasting for. You need to take it to the next level. You've been praying and you've been praying. Maybe it's time to take it, step it up a notch. Fasting would be a way to do that. A double circle by fasting for your children or, and praying for your children or fasting and praying for a friend or fasting and praying for your business. Drawing prayer circles is a lot like climbing a mountain. It ain't easy, you know. Life was, is not easy. And the dream or the miracle might seem impossible in the moment. But God is a God of miracles. You got that quail? God is a God of miracles. Keep circling. You know, with each prayer, there's a small, you may not even feel it, but a small bump in elevation. You're just moving a little bit further up the mountain. And the harder the climb, the sweeter the summit. And the same is true with prayer. The more, the more you stick with it, the more you circle something in prayer, the more satisfying it is spiritually. I can't wait to begin to circle the prayers of the congregation and see those prayers fulfilled and celebrate what God is doing because this is about giving glory to God. Too often we approach our prayer in an ASAP fashion, right? Give it to me as soon as possible. We want God to answer our prayer as soon as now, you know, as, soon as, as soon as it's possible. But we need to shift that par paradigm and change those into prayers that as long as it takes, as long as it takes, A-L-I-T instead of A-S-A-P. Pray that it will be long enough and be hard enough for God to receive all the glory because we want to glorify God. You know, it's rare that our first prayer hits the bullseye, right? Remember the Honey story, and he kept refining that prayer, asking, you know, not for rain such as this have I prayed. Sometimes we have to refine our prayer as we go. He did it twice, not for such rain as I have prayed. But he wasn't satisfied with a sprinkle or a downpour. What he wanted was the rain of your favor, blessing, and graciousness. And he drew a circle in the sand, and then he drew a circle within a circle, and then he drew a circle within that circle. And that's the refining process and power of prayer. So the question comes back to what's your Jericho? What's the pro what's your, what promises or miracles or dreams are you willing to pray for as long as it takes? And if the ushers would come and collect the, the, the prayers that you have, that, and, and I think on there it said, doesn't, don't have to put your name on it. We just want to be praying with you. If you guys would, if, Bob, if you guys would come. See, some dreams are big enough that they might take a lifetime to fulfill, and it may take more than just us. So we come together to lift those prayers up.